What's poppin' beautiful people? Your happy accident has led you to the Stupid Scientist Podcast. And these are my inner ramblings. As you're listening to this broadcast, I challenge you to do three things. First, expand your mind. Second, think critically. And last, but certainly not least, probably one of the most important things a scientist does is to formulate new hypotheses. I hope, oh, how I hope, that by the end of this, you feel just a little bit stupid. But check it. Don't you dare stay that way. Where the freak did this all begin? And when I say this, I mean this. The universe, everything. (laughs) Where, how, and why did it begin? In this episode, we're going to be talking about the origins of the universe. Whoa, that is some (laughs) deep-ish. We're really not going that deep, though. I promise. We only got about 10 minutes to hit it and quit it. So are you ready to feel stupid with me? Yes? Okay, here we go. So if you're anything like me, and honest to God, good for you if you're not... (laughs) But if you're anything like me, then you're naturally curious. And I can't even count on my fingers and toes how many times I got popped in the mouth for asking too many questions. I believe that my mother had the patience of a saint. Because when I think about how annoying I could have been as a kid, asking, but why, but why, but why, mom? You know, mid-swing, belt in the air, flying, and I'm holding up my hands asking why. (laughs) Um, She actually entertained me, and she, she would tell me why, and she would explain things to me, and, you know, you can't do this because X, Y, Z, and, but why? Because blah, 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 and it really helped me. And I'm appreciative of, of her explaining things. And I think that I've carried on my inquisitive ways as I've, as I've grown and matured. But, you know, one thing I say often is that nobody knows everything about everything. And I'm definitely no exception to that rule. <laughs> it, but at, at one point in time, I really did, though. Like, I was feeling myself. I was smelling myself back when I was a teenager. And... I thought that I knew almost everything, but studying to be a biologist, it really taught me that there will always be room for alternative hypothesis generation. (laughs) Now that is a million dollar phrase. And when I say hypothesis, uh, alternative hypothesis generation, that just means that there will always be room to ask more questions. There'll always be room to formulate a new idea from existing evidence, from things that you know, and ask another question to go beyond the surface, to go one more layer deeper, or even several hundred layers deeper. And there's always going to be room for that, especially for the mess, for stuff that we didn't witness with our own eyes. And in this case, I'm talking about the start of the universe. Nobody alive today was old enough to see when the world first started, right? (laughs) Now, some people choose to believe in intelligent design, while others choose to believe in a random-ass cataclysmic event. And when I say intelligent design, that's the belief in 
something or someone or some outside force that was responsible for the creation of what we know as the universe. And when I say a cataclysmic event, you know, just bang, pow, a random series of events and bangs of asteroids and whatever happened and had to occur at the right time, at the right precise moment, and it resulted in the perfect recipe for this big, beautiful floating orb smack dab somewhere in the cosmos. Now, personally... (laughs) I choose to believe in both because when I sit down and think about it, it really just doesn't make sense for something so random to create something so intricate. Millions of different types of plants. We have animals. We have humans, a variety of races. And and it's just amazing how much variety exists and it's all supported um, by this planet, the right the right amount of ingredients have mixed up together to allow us all to live and thrive and and procreate. And if you really think about it, it's almost as if the earth is a cell of a larger organism, with the organism being the universe. Kind of like the cell is to the human body. And within that cell are the organelles that work together to enable the functionality of certain body bodily processes. You can watch Cells at Work on Netflix. <laughs> and I'm, you can think, here's a good analogy, um, or a, a, a good something in pop culture. You, you know Rick and Morty, if you've ever watched Rick and Morty, there's this one episode that's called The Ricks Must Be Crazy. And it's the episode that uh, Rick and Morty, they go into Rick's car battery, and he has this microverse with these... Um, small beings that are stepping on pedals to produce power for his car battery. Well, I think about it like that. You know, Rick created them and then they created another microverse. And so everything is working together uh, to make the battery operate. And if we think of the battery as the earth, you know, everybody in the world is working to help if we're not killing it, right? <laughs> well, everything is working for the greater good of the survival and the thriving of of the planet. Um, and if we take that, if we take that analogy and put it toward the human body, um, everything in our body, our cells are all working together to make sure that we're we're able to live. Our heart pumps blood throughout the body. The blood delivers oxygen. We breathe in oxygen we breathe out co2 the plants consume the sea like it's it's just amazing it's just a very complex and if one thing was off just one thing was off it would it wouldn't work right i mean our bodies are so well developed at least the human body is so well developed that even if there's something that occurs that's a, a mutation our bodies are designed to to nip it in the bud, get rid of it, and help us keep thriving, right? So, happy accident? Honestly, I I think the fuck not. (laughs) Uh, Magic? Maybe. Uh, Because science can only explain so much, and science can only prove so much, which is why we have more scientific theories than laws. 
and I'm going to have a slight deviation. You know, you do know the difference between a law and a theory, right? No. Well, if you do sit back, if you don't check it out, a law is observable. So it's something that is factual. It happens. It's real. You can see it. It's like, oh yeah, he went to the store. No, we didn't. Yes, he did. I saw him. We got him on camera. He went to the store. Law. <laughs> a theory. It's widely accepted as correct. And it's correct when applied to most situations. But you can't actually prove it. So it makes sense. And you look at it for the most part is right. But when outside of the con uh, outside of certain contexts it may not necessarily apply uh, an example of a theory is evolution and an example of natural selection uh sorry <laughs> an example of a law not natural <laughs> an example of a law is natural selection and we, we can get more into those a bit later because we'll be here all day remember i said we're gonna hit it and quit it got 10 minutes so let's just get it. Um, but basically, evolution, at least macro, and that j macro just means large scale. Large scale evolution has not is not observable. Uh, micro evolution is. Micro means small scale. So things that occur over time, uh, an observable amount of time, like the finches at the Galapagos Islands. Look it up. <laughs> I am not here to teach you anything. I'm just here to get you to think critically about the stuff that you think you know and to seek more information about the things that you don't know. I thought that when I decided to be a scientist that I would <laughs> unravel the mysteries of the universe and discover the answers to everything. But boy, was I wrong. I, I was incredibly wrong. It, you'd be shocked how wrong I was. <laughs> the only thing that I did learn with my pursuit of knowledge was how to create new questions from the small piece to the puzzle that I found from the previous question that I asked. Honestly, it's it's a pretty awesome way to spend your time if you're bored. And I, I'm dead ass serious. I'm not even being sarcastic because... You can sit there and ponder on something and think about something and find something else in as a result of thinking about something or testing your hypotheses to prove that something. More often than not, the greatest discoveries are found by accident. So, I encourage you to ask questions. Be okay with feeling stupid. So as I was thinking about doing this podcast, I think the biggest thing that was causing me anxiety was trying to figure out what kind of voice I would use. I was like, do I go in trying to be hip hop and cool? Do I 
put on this smooth melodic voice um or you know do i try to sound a little bit sexy but then again i don't want to sound like a sex telephone operator so like how do i approach this and i figured yeah, just be you kendra just be your authentic goofy cornball self um and and show people that to be a scientist you don't have to be some stick in the mud type of person and um and also to bring light to the black voices in stem to kind of show you what's behind that curtain and to show people that look we're just people we're normal there's nothing spectacular or amazingly smart about a scientist except the fact that there's a, a certain level of determination i think that goes into it you know never giving up um and never being afraid to feel stupid about certain things but knowing that you don't have to remain stupid um and any moment that you feel 100 percent confident in everything that you're doing it's time to move to the next level you're no longer challenging yourself and um i'm rambling <laughs> I, I told you stupid scientists in, in her ramblings so if you are still listening at this point after the episode is going off then you and me can be best friends okay and i hope to hear hear from you look at me look i'm acting like i'm talking to somebody i hope that you tune in next week next quarter whenever i get another episode up um stay beautiful people